Hey everyone, excited to be back for this week's dose. We've got some stellar companies to highlight today, starting with Cal.com, which announced their $25 million Series A, led by 776 Capital, to fuel their open source scheduling platform. And Diligent Robotics just raised a $30 million Series B, led by Tiger Global, to allow nurses to spend more time with their patients and less time losing their patience. Hey yo! <laughs> and WageStream just raised a massive $175 million Series C, led by Smash Capital, to empower hourly workers to save more and build wealth, and not live paycheck to paycheck. And lastly, Epic Games announced a $2 billion investment from Lego and Sony to position themselves in the Metaverse arms race, with a family-friendly angle to things. Love today's dose? Let's get into it. Let's dive right in. You see here, kid? You gotta just go for it. Don't think about what comes after or what came before. You just gotta bend your knees, take a deep breath, and jump. This is Venture Pill with your hosts, Sam and Brandon. We're here to prescribe you your weekly dose of venture capital and startup news to keep you informed in the evolving world of venture. First company of the day is going to be Cal.com, which recently raised a $25 million Series A, which was led by 776 Capital and Alexis Ohanian, who leads that venture firm. Uh, big fans of his. Uh, we also had participation from Pomp, uh, popular on Twitter there, Jack Altman, as well as Tobias Lutke. I don't know how to say that last name, but nonetheless, he's the co-founder and CEO of Shopify. So a lot of interesting, prominent investors there on that list. Seriously, some very impressive Twitter presences and, of course, investors in the VC space. So This company was started not too long ago, actually. Just last year, they started out as being named Calendso, which I'm glad they changed that because Cal.com, way cooler. Yeah, drop the Enso, <laughs> yeah. put, put inserted.com. Yeah, that's an easy, easy trade there. Their main differentiator, their main competitor is obviously Calendly. That's the one that comes to mind. I'm sure everybody listening has either heard of it or used it multiple times. Great, great software, right? Takes out the the back and forth, the inefficiencies of booking something, uh, a meeting. And, and in our increasingly digital world, that's becoming a big point of friction in remote work. Uh, but where Cal.com differentiates themselves, you might think, well, how could they compete with Calendly, kind of the giant in the space, recently raised a big round, and they're worth over $3 billion now. Triple unicorn. Triple uni. Uh, Cal.com is an open source platform, and that's kind of their main differentiator. So let's dive into that a little bit more. Their whole thing is they want to make scheduling infrastructure available for absolutely everybody. And so they promise companies full data sovereignty and digital autonomy. They offer them white labeling, which essentially just means using their platform but branding it for whatever company they're selling it to uh, with their logo and their colors so that it fits more with their ecosystem. And this will allow them to serve a much wider market that a traditional software as a service company or SaaS company usually would not be able to serve due to these data hurdles 
data sovereignty, I think is kind of the term that they referred to it as. But yeah, just to reiterate, and just in case anyone isn't familiar with Calendly, they just streamline setting up a meeting with a colleague, a patient. So everyone in the telehealth industry or people that just use Zoom frequently to schedule meetings probably use in one way or another Calendly or a software like it. And to echo you, Sam, I think the white labeling feature is awesome to be able to tailor the software that Cal.com provides to fit your exact website's aesthetic and visual branding is a very cool feature and differentiator from Calendly. And on top of those prominent features that you mentioned, I think some of the most exciting news that they released is that they are launching a new app store, which makes it easy for developers to make apps that seamlessly integrate into the Cal.com ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And a part of this $25 million Series A raise is going to go towards supporting this effort of onboarding developers to make apps that work within this whole cal.com economy right yeah and they they said that they want to be the best developer platform for building anything and everything time related that's a quite a bold statement <laughs> wow. i know it's kind of awesome anything and everything time related uh, but it makes me think about companies which we know to be very successful such as apple uh, shopify which they do have the co-founder and ceo of as an investor so obviously some synergies there in that both those companies, Apple and Shopify, created you know, a great brand, a great core product, but they also provide an app store where developers can build within their ecosystem. Other companies do this as well, but those are the two that at least came to mind for mm -hmm. me. Seems like a great model to, to differentiate themselves from a more traditional software as a service company like Calendly, seemingly. Totally. And the proof is actually in the pudding, as they already have mm. some pretty prominent customers such as Deal, Klarna I saw on the website, as well as On Deck, and some lofty expectations and goals as well. They, they aim to connect 1 billion people by 2031. So the timer is ticking because they, yeah. they got less than a decade to get 1 billion users. And well, they are off to a good start. And to highlight something from their website, uh, which is value creation versus value capturing, if a software as a service competitor has 10 million customers and charges 20% of them, our goal, meaning Cal.com's goal, is to have 1 billion users and charge 1% of them. So it's an interesting strategy, right? You, you might think if you have 1 billion users, you know, why not try to monetize more of that? But I think their goal remains to be an infrastructure for the masses, not niches, is kind of what the terminology mm -hmm they used on the website uh, and these gaps for niches will actually be filled through that third-party app development. It's a kind of genius way to do it. I think it does end up coming back to this Shopify model and certainly they'll be having the guidance and expertise from the CEO and co-founder of Shopify. So it'll be interesting to see them take that strategy and really come at Calendly from a vastly different angle. Yeah, I, I like that they include the fact that they'll have an avenue for these niche needs to be met through this third party. And a couple other things Sam and I liked was they have an open startup philosophy, uh, meaning they have public KPIs, their metrics are distributed and publicized, their employees are encouraged to be open about salaries, 
and salaries are not proportionate to the cost of living. Yeah, so, you know, you could be living in Bali <laughs> like some of our friends want to do, work remotely, have a low cost of living, high quality of life, but exactly. be making a, uh, you know, a, I don't know if it's a New York salary, but uh, a high salary compared to cost of living. So Certainly. that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think those are all novel traits for a company to have and the digital nomad lifestyle is certainly on the rise uh, we've you know heard about it anecdotally and also just looking at society in general it's certainly you know airbnb has been killing it this whole pandemic yeah seriously and not to mention uh wander as well uh, yes but that's a leisure rabbit hole we could <laughs> certainly dive way deep into probably uh talk for another time but you wanted to tell us more about our next company so next story Sam and I wanted to cover is Diligent Robotics, which just announced a $30 million Series B led by Tiger Global and supported by several other VC firms, um, specifically Next Coast Ventures, which is an Austin local VC yeah. firm, Ubiquity Ventures, Boom Capital, Gangels, and, and the list goes on. But essentially, Diligent Robotics I think might be easier to present by presenting some stats first. Mm -hmm. So according to a report from Research and Markets, the global smart hospital market is estimated to be at $27.6 billion in 2021. Pretty sizable market, right? Yep. However, it is expected to reach $82.89 billion by 2026. Whew. Oh, compounding baby. at just under 25% annually, which is pretty absurd estimates to be talk to about a there. CAGR. Am I right? <laughs> Compound right. annual growth rate. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> okay, so that's a pretty good stat. Here's another. Currently, nurses spend up to 30% of their time on non value added tasks. And these tasks include sending and picking up things from the lab, delivering teleboxes, managing medications, picking up personal items from patients, transferring pumps, and the, the list goes on. Yeah. So that means only 70% of nurses' time are spent on value-added tasks. So there's a clear gap there with how nurses are spending their time and being efficient. And I think that also leads to our third and final stat of the segment here. Hit them with it. The bedside nurse turnover rate is 16.8%. Now, that's pretty high. I think maybe it could have been higher due to COVID and the pandemic and kind of the strain on the medical system that happened in the last couple of years. But I don't think that number is too inflated from the norm, considering, you know, I have a couple of friends who are nurses. That is hard work. You know, they're working sometimes late hours. They're getting burned out. I think that is largely what's contributing to that 16.8% turnover rate. And all these stats kind of lead to what Diligent Robotics is addressing, which is to make nurses' lives easier by automating some of those more mundane, repeatable tasks so that they can spend more time with patients. Right, so here comes Diligent Robotics with its flagship product called Moxie, which debuted in 2018. And Moxie is a robot that performs delivery tasks for frontline healthcare teams. And essentially, Moxie helps support clinical staff with their diverse set of tasks and allows nurses to focus on tasks that matter most, which is patient care. Yeah. And the company has been slowly integrating the Moxie robots into healthcare systems 
and demonstrating that it's that's proven to help increase efficiency. Uh, and at no better timing, nurses have been in great demand over the last two years. There's a projection that shows more than a million new nurses will be needed in the U.S. alone. I think if we can support nurses to allow them to better spend their time, that number should decrease so that we're not putting as much tension on hiring more nurses, but rather making better use of the nurses that we do have and giving them a better work life. Right, and enabling them to get more value out of their time and doing more value-added tasks like actually patient care and less of the administrative operational tasks behind the scenes. So yeah, this robot is pretty cool. We were on their website look, watching a video about Moxie and basically it can navigate a hospital floor including going through doors by using its robotic arm pressing that button that, you know, that opens doors yeah. or even opening an elevator and pressing the button to go up to a new floor. I think that's super cool. Uh, but essentially it's it's just a robot on wheels that you know, can navigate the floor. It can carry those supplies, deliver them autonomously. It's a pretty cool thing. I would be a little bit freaked out if I were in a hospital yeah. seeing that for the first time, but it was kind of funny. <laughs> On the website, they touted uh, a friendly face as one of the uh, main features of Moxie the robot. So Yeah, no, agreed with you. Super cool, super intelligent robot, uh, but I can't imagine one day being in a hospital and just seeing several robots rolling around Let's move on to our next segment here, which is actually focusing in on WageStream, a UK startup that just announced a $175 million Series C. It's actually $60 million in equity and $115 million in debt. The equity portion was led by Smash Capital, and the debt financing was financed by (laughs) Silicon Valley Bank. And WageStream, I think, might be easy to introduce by first providing the problem and then the solution that WageStream proposes. So the problem with in today's world is that waged workers, given their variable pay structure, find it challenging to save money against living paycheck to paycheck and yeah. not really being able to accrue savings. The solution to that, enter WageStream, is that WageStream enables workers to save their money and provides faster liquidity and facilitates the use of their money in different ways with features like allowing them to invest small amounts into stocks and enabling users to consult with the financial coach and easily track their budgets and incrementally save money from paycheck to paycheck instead of living off one to the other. Yeah, I think it's a really cool bundling of an offering First and foremost, they allow them to get their paycheck in advance or on a timeline that they choose rather than just being reliant upon the traditional twice-monthly paycheck mm-hmm. period. Every other Friday. Every other Friday. Uh, that That is a thing of the past with WageStream. And this isn't a new concept. I think there are other companies that provide that kind of uh, flexibility in when you get paid. But I think bundling that aspect together with the financial education uh, the ability to invest, the ability to talk to a financial coach. That's a pretty cool kind of all-encompassing offering. And the way that they're selling this is they're providing it as a benefit for employers to provide to the employees. Now, they, they still have to opt into that benefit and use it. But I think what we're seeing based on our research is they've seen pretty good success so far. Right. So employers, as you're, as you're saying, 
employers are actually eager to work with WageStream because they see it as a sweetener, additional leverage tool to use when recruiting staffs and minimizing employee turnover. It's an additional benefit to throw out there. There's currently 12,000 jobs listed on Indeed.com that actively advertise WageStream as a benefit to yeah. you know, magnetize some of that talent. Furthermore, let's, let's talk a little bit about the traction that WageStream already has. WageStream currently has more than 1 million workers across 300 employers accessing the app globally. Recently, there has been strong growth in the United States. WageStream is based in UK, so obviously there's also a market in UK for it. But there's been a lot of growth in the US where 250,000 workers access WageStream through their employers. And the employers, it's, it's quite a wide spectrum. The employers, some of the large employers include Burger King, Popeyes, Crate and Barrel, and you Chicago. <laughs> what a list. It's a classic Burger King, Popeyes, and you Chicago. You know. <laughs> there are additional markets in Spain as well as Australia. So they're definitely already positioning themselves as a global app for employers. Right. And I think there are challenges associated with global expansion as there are for any business. Indubitably. Indubitably. <laughs> Specifically regarding the banking landscape, the UK has it a little bit simpler with 11 major banks. Most people already have bank accounts because it's free to use them and you know no hurdles or fees associated with that. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the US, we have a much more fragmented market, 4,300 plus banks, and a big population of unbanked or underbanked workers because there is a bit of a barrier to entry for that. And I think that's part of WageStream's mission is to help these underbanked or unbanked folks become better financially educated, help them save and invest and grow their wealth. There's a huge market to be tapped into in the United States with WageStream. And of course, they're going to have to find a way to deal with these differences in terms of banking structures from the United States to the United Kingdom um, to Australia and Spain. But we read on their website that their funding will be used to fuel a push into the U.S. markets. And as such, I imagine that they will be figuring out a way to navigate the complex bank landscape of the United States and tap into the employers and employees here. Yeah. And one thing I think to wrap us up with WageStream that we should definitely mention is that this is an impact-focused business backed by many impact-focused investors and even charities from the UK. And so it fits really nicely into our growing trend of companies that we like to talk about in the impact space. And I think this is, this is no different, you know, being able to provide financial education to help address the wealth inequality gap, I think is a really worthwhile mission. And it's a big B2B business still, so there's good business opportunity there where they can build long-lasting partnerships and make a good amount of money for the, for the company and for those investors, but have that impact on, on the front end. I think you're capped on the word impact. Impact. <laughs> no, but I, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's a rising trend and also something that you and I actively seek because we, we just enjoy discovering these startups that, that are actively making a change. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, well said. I'm glad you highlighted that and hope to see a tangible difference made by wage stream in the United States for those unbanked and underbanked workers. The frontline workers, I mean... 
folks that went in day in and day out during the pandemic, right. they, they deserve better resources, education, so that they can have a more financially stable life and build those savings. Uh, so it'll be exciting to see how WageStream continues to grow and, and specifically and selfishly within the United States. So right. we will certainly be keeping tabs on them. And to wrap us up for today, we have a giant story to cover, and that is Epic Games. You might have seen a week or two ago announced a $2 billion investment from Lego and Sony. Now, Sony and Lego both invested, respectively, $1 billion each. A cool billion. Oh, a cool, cool billion. Sony actually had previously participated in an investment in Epic Games back in July of 2020. With a two hundred fifty, a mere two fifty million dollar investment, eh, uh, I don't yeah. even get out of bed for less than <laughs> yeah. a billion. Um, and now they're teaming up with Lego's investment company Kirkby to provide another angle of this market into working with kids. So it's a really interesting intersection of Lego, Sony, and Epic. Should be epic to see. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, what a what a formidable partnership being formed between Lego, Sony, and Epic Games. I mean, from Legos to PlayStation, which is a Sony product, to Fortnite, which is Epic Games' flagship game. I feel like they're covering the bases from childhood all the way up to adulthood in terms of gaming. Oh, yeah. I, I got to say, my synergy senses are tingling right now. I, I see you got the gooseys Woo! going. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a really interesting intersection of technology, of games, of child entertainment. And Lego such a prominent brand in you know, a lot of people's childhoods. It'll be interesting to see how they can create new video games. I know that they already work with Batman for different video games. Mm-hmm. I know I grew up playing one of those. And as the metaverse becomes more prominent, it's kind of like an arms race, if you will. And we, we I will. Oh, you will. And I know I will, too. <laughs> <laughs> you think about companies like Microsoft, which obviously has the Xbox. They've been ramping up acquisition activity of recent one that comes to mind is a giant $68.7 billion valuation on Activision Blizzard in the game space, which is behind Candy Crush and Call of Duty. You might have heard of those two. <laughs> um, and then you also have a company that we all know and love, Meta, which formerly Facebook, been growing their presence within the metaverse, obviously with that name change and their ownership of Oculus, the VR company, and really pivoting their whole business model to take over the metaverse and drive the direction of the metaverse. Now, is it going to be one platform controlling the metaverse? I don't think anybody thinks that. You know, Certainly we can get into that, but it is this arms race of sorts where these tech giants, these gaming giants, they're really racing to gain that market share because if you think about kids who have grown up playing Fortnite and used to this kind of more immersive type gaming experience, I think it'll be pretty cool to combine Lego and all of their IP and their popularity with Epic Games, which is a beast of their own. It'll be a super cool partnership to see. Right. I think that's very well said. And just looking at trends, kids are spending increasingly more time gaming. And my parents will be quick to tell you that I was already spending a lot of time gaming. But with these immersive game experiences like Fortnite, Another one that comes to mind is Roblox. Yeah. The metaverse and its impact on gaming and education and the younger generations in general is inevitable. 
And I think that you can see this, you can read the tea leaves when something as massive as Facebook changes its name to Meta and yeah. Microsoft shells out just under 70 billion on an acquisition. And that being said, I think this partnership of Epic Games, Lego, and Sony, they've mentioned that the focus is around building a family-friendly environment within the metaverse and a long-term focus around engagement in the world of digital play. Right, and something that parents can probably get behind more easily rather than something that's like shooting games. And right. not, not to say that they're going to get away from that, but Lego is traditionally like a well-respected toy, I would say, something mm -hmm. that fosters creativity and, you know, works the mind, I would say. Totally agreed. I, right? You know what you're getting with Lego. Yeah, like nobody nobody's going to say, oh, you're spending too much time with Legos, you know, <laughs> well, like... Maybe. I, I mean, I certainly wasn't one of those kids, but like Lego is a pretty good toy for, you know, kids to be spending time yeah. on as opposed to other things like shooting games like Call of Duty. Right. To summarize what you were just saying there, Lego is a trusted brand by parents. I think yeah. pretty universally. Aside from a choking hazard, there isn't too much danger. Can't choke in the metaverse as <laughs> far as we know. <laughs> That's, you wait. Yeah. Yeah. No, but if you think about it, to further riff on that, the parents, kind of this millennial generation, grew up playing with Legos. That'll be cool for those parents now with kids of the age of getting into video games, uh, for them to leverage kind of this virtual Lego, which, yeah, I'm sure in the metaverse they can kind of do what Minecraft and Roblox have done and do their own version of that somehow. Right. To push the borders of the metaverse here a little further. I mean, you work in ed tech and we've talked about ed tech so much. I continue to read about the metaverse being used in an ed tech space as well. I mean, virtual reality is already being implemented. Just so many uses for the metaverse. Yeah. You know, we, we know at Interplay Learning how we're providing training for people in the metaverse. And that's actually something that I think Meta and a lot of these other companies will become increasingly more interested in beyond just gaming, but for today, I think, you know, the focus is on gaming. We've seen it before where in new technologies, games are the first step, mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. And then we, we learn a lot about that new technology, how people use it, their patterns. That's when other ideas and industries can step in and learn from how games were interacted with. A great list of companies today. Glad to be back on the traditional episode really loved this episode this week really loved it yeah we're gonna try to ramp up the interviews here coming off the momentum with maya last week and certainly our first interview with jack we want to keep that train rolling so mm -hmm. if you have anybody you want us to have on the show certainly reach out we've got some interesting folks on our on our target list here mm -hmm. and a few that are booked so really excited to keep the train rolling here and appreciate all the pilgrims out there yeah and who knows maybe the next interview will be in the metaverse i think it will <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's that's our show today thanks for listening join us next week for your next dose of startups and venture capital on venture pill she told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely thinks my vibes a little low-key okie dokie that's all right but